1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments... About your landscape or houseplants or anything else, 314 or 1-800-925-1120. Mr. Kelly, here Yo. you sit in this studio and you got your coat on. It is cold in here. How oh. about compared to when you stepped outside this morning?
3: This morning it was chilly. It's cold <laughs> in here.
2: I don't know what the difference is, but I, I know it when I feel it. <laughs> It, I thought it was really cool this morning. I mean, cool, cold. Yeah, well, it was 51,
3: 52.
2: I, I stepped outside. Mm-hmm. I only had a short sleeve shirt on. And well, I thought, oh, that was stupid.
3: Yeah, that was your fault. Yes. But I am wearing sandals just like you do. Oh, really? So, yeah, I didn't want to deal with that. <laughs> not at four in the morning. I'm not putting socks on. Are you kidding me? Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> too, too much work. Well, great. Yes. Well, stay cool and warm and I,
3: whatever. I can't help but stay cool.
2: <laughs> really? It is cool Teeth chattering.
3: Yeah.
2: It is Saturday morning, by the way. We're going to get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your landscape. The front yard, the backyard, the side yard. Uh, how about that specialty garden space or uh, your tropical plants? Did you take them out and put them in the sun? <sighs> My kaffir lilies, I've already taken them out. And I thought they were in a pretty shaded location, but some of the leaves have gotten sunburnt. That was my stupidity. I've put them in a different place than where I normally do, and I thought, I just want to try them here. But, you know, a few sunburnt leaves, eh, that's okay. How about uh, pruning? How about insects? How about diseases? Uh, The information I'll share with you hopefully will make it easier for you to orchestrate and solidify your options. Obviously, with the final judgment, going to be on your shoulders. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home or car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is James. He's back producing. He took some time off because he had some very important things to do, like working overnight. (laughs) My goodness. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultations, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Today, after the show, I'm headed out to Wildwood, an area that's part of Wildwood now. When I was growing up in Ellisville, it was very close to where I was growing up. I think that area was called Grova. But anyway, doesn't really matter. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Super bright sun. Highlighted the front architecture of the St. Louis Art Museum. This was one of my mother's favorite places to visit. A couple times for her birthday or for Mother's Day, we took her to the art museum. She didn't want to go through the whole thing, but special exhibits that were there at that particular time. And uh, it was really kind of neat. Etched above the entrance, dedicated to art and free to all. And then Roman numerals, M-D-C-D-3-I's, whatever number that means, I don't know. Anyway, the statue of women seated, relaxing right there at the front doors on each side, one on each side. And across the street, uh, St. Louis rides his horse. And then high above the hill, the view of the lakes and fountains below is just really fantastic. And the nicely leafed out trees, it was just perfect. It was just uh, s- standing up there and looking down. It really is just kind of an, a neat place to be. And then obviously, you know what the art museum is on the inside. So right now, the art museum is the site of a universal. Well, actually, on underneath where uh, St. Louis is, it says, this was a site of a special exposition, universal, in 1904. So that shows you the World's Fair, which we called, was a universal exposition in 1904. There's a garden plant across from the entrance steps. Unbelievable collection. Really giant size agave, budded yarrows, blooming iris, fuzzy lamb's ear, coral bells, numerous types of sedum. Some flocks were rising up, some hyacinths, well, they've already had their big day and they're kind of heading down but they're still showing some color. So, I mean, I can't believe how many different varieties of perennials are in this bed. I don't remember, you know, the last time I was there, which wasn't that long ago, that this planting was there was, you know, so dramatic. The birds were enjoying the top of the front columns. A banner says, right now, paintings on stone, science and sacred from 1550 to 1800. And the exhibit will last until May 15th. And then a breeze was really cool as so I was standing up there. But boy, the sun was so nice and warm. It made it so. Oh, at the top of Art Hill, just a fantastic place to be this morning. So, again, uh, the Art Museum, one of my mother's favorite places to go. My mother's no longer with us physically, but, men, you know, from a memory standpoint, she'll be there forever. So, again, Mike Miller, K M West Garden Hotline. What's those numbers? 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages.
4: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
5: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
3: Charlie, this is Brian Kelly. When I came here 25 years ago, I was excited to work with you. And, you know, I'm still excited to work with you today. Well, at least for a few more days. Congratulations on an amazing career and have a great retirement.
2: <laughs> yes, folks, back to the phones. No, to the phones for the first time. But if you do have any questions, we've got phone lines open. or 1-800-925-1120. Let's start off the day in Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi,
4: Mike. Um, I have a question. The company that put in my landscaping five years ago, they would take care of my maintenance every March, April. And they went out of the maintenance business just recently, and they're just going to do design now. So they gave all of us to another company to do the maintenance, but they have not been out as yet. And I have different types of of varieties of boxwoods. And when they came out, they always rounded my boxwoods, and then they trimmed and shaped the other boxwoods. But it was always in the early spring. So my question is, with the hot weather coming this week and if they should come out, is it going to be safe still to cut and trim my boxwoods? And when is it too late?
2: Uh, well, it's, you know, the problem is when you prune later in the season on many things, what can happen is there can be some sunburn because the tips have been cut off. Those tips are, you know, let's say a little bit more uh, acclimated towards what the weather is, the sun, and everything else. And if you do it earlier in the season, you're not getting that direct sun like we're probably going to be getting in the next few days. So it could be problematic, but I would, you know, I would, when the new contractors come out, I'd ask them what they think about it. And if it's a situation where, you know, the timing is a little bit off from what uh, historically you've been very happy with, maybe skip the pruning this year and or, you know, and wait and do it at the proper time next year and ask them if they're going to be coming earlier in the future or, what you know, what the whole scenario is.
4: Yeah. Um, well, just in case this doesn't work out with this company, is there another landscaping company you would recommend?
2: Well, I can't recommend, you know, individual companies, but I would say uh, go to your favorite garden center and see, you know, who they would probably recommend for that.
4: Oh, Okay. All right. Yeah, that's a shame because, like I say, I've always really been pleased with the way they they round the boxwoods. and But then, you know, when I heard it's going to be so hot, I got a little scared. Cause right. I don't want them killing all my, my boxwoods.
2: Yeah, you know? it's not a question of the heat being problematic. It's the intensity of the sun. Mm-hmm. So usually if it's going to be that hot, then the sun is, you know, as we know— the sun's getting—the length of daylight is more and more and more as we, you know, move into summertime. And that's where the sunburning potentially could happen.
4: Mm, okay.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, it may be okay. There may not be a problem with it at all. But, you know, normally I always recommend doing that kind of pruning, especially broadleaf evergreens, earlier in the season. Deciduous right. things, it's a little bit different. But uh, broadleaf evergreens, mm.
4: Yeah, and uh, it just couldn't have come at a, at a worse time, you know, because I knew something had to be wrong when they weren't here in March or, you know, the latest of April. Right. right? You know, and then we get this letter saying they're not doing the maintenance anymore.
2: So <laughs> That was kind of bad of them in a way to not notify you because they, yeah, I mean, I would have to think they had no last, you know, last winter. Right. That they right. were going to get out of the maintenance mm-hmm. business for whatever reason.
4: Well, my husband says, you can get a trimmers and shape them and round them, you know, but right now they're just so out of, you know, they're just kind of wild. (laughs) I'd I'd be scared to try to get there and try to shape them as perfect as they did.
2: Right. I mean, that's pruning is a difficult thing, too. And also pruning in general with boxwood or any of the broadleaf evergreens a lot of times people have a tendency to have the top wider than the bottom and then they're going to notice that uh, the bottom foliage is falling off the stems and everything just because it's not getting proper light so they still need light and that's why it should be tapered with the top a little bit narrower than what the bottom is so I guess this roundness that these people have done have really done a good job
4: yeah yeah they they did so I'm kind of I was kind of sick when I heard about that.
2: But. <laughs> well, good luck. OK, well, thank you. Sure. My okay. pleasure. And now let's head over to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott.
5: Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, got a question. I planted some asparagus last year and it has grown or came up again this year, which sure. is a good thing. Sure. But I was wondering, what do I need to do uh, to that this year so that I can start harvesting next year off of that?
2: Just, uh, you know, get some all-purpose fertilizer, you know, recommended for, you know, the analysis in relationship to maybe a soil test you'll have done, or just look online and see what they're recommending as far as a fertilizer for your asparagus. And that's pretty much it.
5: Okay. Um, and will that spread on its own, or do I have to, like, divide it and spread the, the roots?
2: No, it's it's a natural spreader. Okay. So it sends underground rhizomes like bluegrass and, you know, some of the other perennials and things like that.
6: Great. Okay. Well, that's what I
5: need to know. Thank you very much.
2: Sure. Good luck. And, uh, yeah, growing asparagus can be quite the challenge. And uh, you're smart to wait for another, you know, year or so, let the colony kind of get better established before you start trying to make any kind of harvest of it. Because you want to leave as many of the spears as you can because that's where— it's you know the sunlight is collected making it into food chlorophyll, and then that will help feed the the root system make the colony much better
5: and with the the ferns you know once it, you know do I need to cut those off after the, like at the end of the uh the fall or do I just kind of let let those stay
2: uh you can I'd probably recommend cutting them off okay so. But Great. Thank leave, them, you. You know, leave them up until that time until they start You know, looking like they're headed towards dormancy. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your help. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Adam's yard. Hi, Adam. Hi, Mike.
5: Good morning. Appreciate yeah. your show. Uh, just two questions. I've got, um, well, the, I, I've assumed they're kind of wild daffodils. They also kind of look like narcissi. I'm not really sure which flower it is, but they're obviously the flowers are, are all done with is it, is it okay now to prune the foliage or should I leave the foliage go? Uh, and then my second question, kind of along the lines of pruning, I've got some, I guess it's like monkey grass shrub in the front of my house and it's getting a little overgrown from last season and there's already new bits coming in. Is it, is it too late to kind of prune that back to flat and let that regrow this year?
2: Uh, you're with the uh, the original question was uh, as far as the foliage on your daffodils or narcissus or whatever they happen to be, just cut the flower stalk off, leave the foliage until it's at least half brown, because okay. again, that's you know manufacturing food, chlorophyll, and building the bulb strength up for the future. Okay. And then, uh, what was the, the second question was? I, I don't know if it's called monkey grass. Oh or yeah, lily a, turf. A long- you should yeah. have cut that down sooner. If you cut it now, what it is is a colonizer, and if you mow it, you may be cutting some tips off the new growth that's coming out, and then consequently those tips will just be, the, you know, they probably will get a discoloration on the tips. The whole blade won't look bad, but it'll just kind of look a little bit funky. So you're, you know, almost a little bit late to be doing it. So you could do it if you want to, see what happens. But in the future, do it sometime as we're, let's say, around the mid-March or something like that before any kind of new growth begins.
6: Gotcha. Okay. Helpful. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.
2: Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, with the lily turf, it's a very interesting ground cover. Now, I don't know if you have the clump grower or if you have the spreading type, but uh, either one. The clump grower is a little bit more robust as far as big, thick clumps And the spreading type is more or less kind of like, not like lawn, but that's kind of what it looks like. So anyway, one is Lyropi muscari. That's a clump one. And the spreading one is Lyropi spicata. So if you want a ground cover to infill around trees and shrubs and things like that, you'd want the spicata variety, the spreader. And now let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Very good. Uh, I, uh,
7: have it's time for me to do my first harvest of my rhubarb ah. that I've been babying for several years. And uh, when can I harvest it now? How, should I wait?
2: What do the stalks look like?
7: Oh, they they look really
2: good. I mean, we've had you know a little bit of rain. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, if the stalks look good, I say go ahead and harvest it. So well, in other words, if they look real, if they look like this, you know, the kind that you'd be buying in a store, width wise and diameter and everything else, then you're okay. fine to do it.
7: Okay, and then on my uh, grapes,
2: uh, should I uh, prune them uh wait or what? Yeah, if you prune them now, you're probably going to be you know kind of mess up the whole flowering cycle, fruiting cycle, okay. and everything else. So. I would say you probably should do that, you know, not right now.
7: And then I always uh, mowed my established asparagus bed that's probably several years old. Uh, I always do mine uh, in the summer.
2: As far as harvesting?
7: No, as far as uh, mowing down the, the tops. Oh, okay. Because if you mow them too early, then you're, you're fighting weeds, and I would better have the asparagus heads
2: out. <laughs> exactly. And that just helps uh, you know, the underground growth as well as above-ground growth, too. Well,
7: thank you very much.
2: Sure, my pleasure. And
7: also, also we just returned from the East Coast, uh, Jamestown, et cetera, and uh, one of the most significant uh, hedges I noticed out there out east is they use a lot of holt, a lot of hump, a lot of holly. Right. And uh, it, it's impressive.
2: <laughs> well, we there is some holly hedges here, but, uh, you know, our weather is a little bit, uh, ugh, as far as, you know, with the pruning and everything else, okay. if you're pruning out a cycle, uh, it's kind of like what I was telling the lady with the boxwood, you can get some sunburn yeah. on it and things like that. Well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, K and Morris Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those
8: who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash/recommend today.
6: Find out what's happening with your Redbirds from the manager himself, Oliver Marmol. Sundays at ten fifteen on Sports Open Line, and Wednesdays at eight twenty two a.m. The Ollie Marmol Show. I'm excited for not only the club, but for the fans. This is a this is a special year for sure. KMOX is Cardinals Radio.
2: Very ethereal music. And uh, right now, your annual cool season weeds, you know, as the temperatures start rising, especially in a few days when it starts getting in the 80s and 90s, they're really going to start going downhill. And uh, Pam, who lives next door to me, she was saying uh, that, uh, you know, she saw all these little white specks in her house, and she thought they were an insect. And I said, no, Pam, that is the flowers from the chickweed that's growing in your yard. So in other words, she was getting chickweed flowers on the bottom of her shoes, then going into her house, and then they would fall off her shoes. And she thought they were some kind of insect, and nope. So the chickweed will be disappearing. The annual bluegrass will be disappearing. The Persian speedwell and the other cool-season annual weeds, which actually germinated last August, when the temperatures get hot, (laughs) they— The hen bit will also be going downhill, too. So let's go now right to Donna's yard and see what's going on with Donna. Hi, Donna.
4: Good morning, Mike. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. I've got a couple of questions. I've got a patch in my grass that won't grow anything, so I thought I'd take and send off a soil sample, but I'm not sure where to send it. And then I've also got a problem with rocks on an area where I wanted to grow a tree, and, of course, the tree will not grow in rocks, so I'm trying to dig them up. But I don't know, is there a place that I can get rid of these rocks once I get them dug up? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the people that lived here before us in their infinite wisdom thought rocks would be a great idea. I'm not on the same wavelength. So
2: So is it rock mulch? It's not rock like a, because you live on a bluff.
4: No, no, it's not boulders. It's, you know, like uh, uh, about the size of a uh, egg yolk. The rocks are about the size of an egg yolk or well, something Well, you should
2: like be that. able to grow a tree in that. Oh, but it's solid rock. Oh, the first
4: solid. The first probably, I don't know, three inches or four inches is rock. So it's going to take an awful lot for those trees to or bushes or whatever to find some place to put their roots down. Well, you're
2: going to dig, you know, you can dig and, you know, as far as what you should be able to do with the, you know, the rock, there's not too many places, you know, to actually take them. You That's might what just I was afraid you know, of. contact, you know, contact a landscape service and have them because they will haul them away and dump them where they're able to. Oh, okay. A landscape service would come and take it and pick it up. Of course, yeah. They'll do okay. it. I mean, they'll, and they'll prepare the soil. So then, I mean. And you know, if you wanted to, if you know what kind of trees you want and everything else, you can talk to them at that time, and they can do the tree installation at the same time as well. So
4: they would dig up all that rock that's in my backyard, right? Oh oh my heavens! I mean, you're going to be
2: paying for it. I won't fool you. Of course, no, no, no. Of course, (laughs) (laughs) I
4: understand. Well, because I had one landscaping service come in and. Asked them to do my yard, and all they did was bring more rock to the surface and then just kind of covered the top surface of it. So, oh, my, oh, my, okay. And then so with, that-
2: a, with the soil sample, the University of Missouri Extension Service, you, there's an office in Kirkwood. You can go to, you know, the University of Missouri Extension and find out it's right near the train station in Kirkwood. You can drop the oh, sample sure. off there. Oh, okay. So, uh Easily done. And they'll tell you exactly how, you know, take the sample, how much soil is needed to find, you know, and it may not be, you know, the soil test may not indicate necessarily why you're not able to grow lawn in that one particular spot. It may be a low spot. It may be wet. It may be this. Who knows what it actually Mm -hmm. is. But at least the soil test will tell you, you know, what you have going on there to a certain point. Okay. Super. You've been so helpful. Thank you very much, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick.
9: Hey, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Hey, I've got a, a Hearts of Gold Redbud out in my front yard, and um, it hasn't flowered yet this year. And the, the the thing is, is you look at the buds, and the buds look like they've they've grown since uh you know last month, but they haven't leafed yet. Do you think they will leaf?
2: So the tree hasn't leafed out at all and it hasn't flowered. It you, hasn't
9: flowered and it hasn't leafed.
2: Yeah, because usually where the redbud will flower before it leaves out. So yeah. maybe this particular variety in this particular location, I wouldn't necessarily get into a panic, but if, if in another couple of weeks you're not seeing any kind of flowers, let me ask you this too. Is it recently planted?
9: it's been planted about 7 years ago.
2: Oh my goodness. So in, historically it's always, you know, flowered and foliaged out and everything else like normal. Right,
9: right. Right. Uh, the now the, the thing is is we had two redbud trees down there and one of them died about 3 or 4 years ago. But um I don't know if it might be in the soil or if I'm I'm still waiting for a, a leaf to pop out.
2: Right, because, I mean, red buds, one of the things they don't like is wet soil. And with the exceptional amount of rain we had this year, that could you, be know, it. you know, they may be sort of like the root system got drowned.
9: Right, that could be it.
2: Because, I it mean, is, the red buds have really finished flowering for the most part. I don't see any in flower anymore.
9: Right, right. Well, you know, it is down a little slope, so water could run down to it if we had some gully washers. Right. All right. Um, I appreciate your help.
2: Sure. And what you can do is go down and just, you know, take some of the twigs and just see how flexible they are and then, you know, cut off a couple twigs and look yeah. and see if it's white on the inside because that can indicate that, uh, you know, the the twig is dead slash the branch is dead and, you know, as a result of, you know, all the rainfall we've had.
9: Okay, I got you. I appreciate your help.
2: Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh,
10: yeah, um, could you suggest the, the, maybe the most, um, you know, natural way to lower pH around your shrubs? For instance, my hollies, are, which is newly planted from last year, they're kind of turning yellow around the perimeter. And I've had some maybe difficulty in such in a couple of uh that didn't do very well. So would it be the pH be the problem, and how to lower that?
2: Uh, basically, you need to get iron sulfate. So what happens is the sulfur lowers the pH, and then the iron will be a supplement that helps the foliage uh, to green it, green back up. And it could take you know a couple of years of applications because if they're sort of like really have lost color, It it's not going to be an instantaneous type thing. So that would sure. be the best thing. And with forsythia, they're not really prone to needing one pH versus another. So they're pretty okay. tough and durable. They can take, you know, a higher pH with alkalinity. You know, that's why they can grow them in parking lots and things like that, even where there's, you know, like salt debris from de-icers.
10: Okay. Well, I wasn't sure if that was related with the two... With the two shrubs, so uh the iron sulfate I'll try on the hollies.
2: Yeah, and you know, just get it—you know, get it and read the label on how to put it on, how to water it in, sure. and everything mm-hmm. else. Don't don't just guess.
10: Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure. That's that's what I had to ask you. Thank you.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. And then in the future, you know, to kind of use an, a fertilizer on your hollies that is an acid-based fertilizer because that's going to have the, the nutrients as well, the micronutrients, as well as a fertilizer aspect of it. But initially, you might want to just get the foliage looking good before you start worrying about fertilizing. Gotcha. Thank you very much. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
2: Yes, folks. Back to the phones. Let's go over to Nita's yard. Hi, Nita. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. Uh, Mike, I.
11: Let's see what day was whatever day it was. Sunny. Um, my son and I planted some um, wine and roses bushes,
1: and I've had
11: them before, but they were getting old. So we dug them up last year and planted some new ones. Well, I kept the ground flat. Instead of uh, take you know, instead of uh, going from the the house, you know, slanted down. But anyway, with all this rain we've had, it uh, they flooded. Mm-hmm. I kept them two inches up above the uh, the the, the uh, bush up up two inches up above the ground. Right. And um, but what should I do
2: with that? Should I uh, put more dirt? Or should I dig them up and redo them, or what? Well, I mean, you could have a situation where, when you plant them, you know, it sounded first. You said you planted them level at grade level, and then you yeah. said you you raised them up two inches.
11: Well, I raised. Well, yeah, I did raise the the bushes up. Whenever we planted them, I, they were up two inches.
2: From the flat, from the ground. Okay, so the root system was elevated somewhat. So are they yes. not leafing out? What makes you a little bit concerned? Well, I,
11: we, just, we just planted them, and I was just wondering, should I leave that flat or should I make that more slanted from the house?
2: Well, uh, I mean, or, or creating a raised bed would, you know, certainly help either one of those type things. But they definitely have to have good drainage, and then you don't want them planted underneath your eave either. Well, no,
11: they're not. They're not that way. Um, okay. I, I had some there before for eight years, and okay. uh, they did great. But uh, I don't know what we did wrong this time.
2: Uh, well, I mean, I mean, it's they've just been planted, so I wouldn't get into a state of panic. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're you're remembering what the you know the ones that have been in for multiple years, what they were doing for you, and now these, oh, they just you know that's because they're brand new.
11: Well, but the, the ground is more flat. I was wondering, should I raise that? Be- I left a lot of room from the house out to the uh,
2: to where we planted them. Okay. And should I put more dirt back there? Or yeah, I the- mean, you should definitely raise them up. And should I pull them out and and replant them? Well, uh, you know, how long they've been in the ground? A couple of weeks? No, a couple of days uh, since Thursday. Oh Went yeah, definitely dad, it was do nice. that. Yeah, definitely. You know, improve the soil, elevate the area, and then replant them. Okay, okay. May I ask you another question? Sure.
11: I have. Uh, I've always had periwinkle behind my sheds. And there's a big bush there for privacy, but I've I've had them there. I had the the other periwinkle there that I've had there was
1: thriving all the time.
11: And then this year, whenever the spring, when I look back there to look at them, the ground was completely flat. Now, what do you think could have caused that?
2: Well, I mean, just the settling of, you know, the soil, basically. So you're talking about the periwinkle, the perennial ground cover one with the blue flowers? Yes, yeah. yes. So is it still there? Does it look okay? No, there's
11: none there. The ground, there's nothing there. Oh, wow. It was, I did, I, you know, we do have animals around here, uh, you know, because there's some wood across from a, a street from me. Right. But, um I've never had a problem like that before ever, and I've had them there for—well, I had them in my other house, too. And um, Probably
2: what has happened is with the exceptional amount of rain that we've had at certain periods, periwinkle does need to have decent ground—you know, decent drainage. So it sounds like to me if they're totally disappeared, then uh, they probably drowned. Oh, over the winter, you mean? Yeah, Yeah, because we've had a lot of rain this year.
11: Yeah, well, yeah, but before we had all this rain, I mean, it was like that whenever I went out there to look at them in the early spring. So, but that's, and then, well, it's not the, they don't need
2: complete sun on them, do they? No, no, they can grow in full shade. Yeah. Well, I don't. uh, I would go ahead and improve the soil and then replant if you're going to do that. And if you can't get them planted, you know, pretty quickly, then I'd say wait until the fall to do the installation because they don't really like the heat of the summertime as far as when there being a oh. new installation.
11: Okay. All right.
2: Well, thank you so much. Sure. Bye-bye. Well, good luck, and uh, I don't know if we can probably get another one. Let's see. Stu, can you do it really quickly?
7: Yes. Uh, I've got a row of 15-year-old burning bush shrubs along a fence line. Okay. One of them is in a state of decline, dropping its leaves, and some of the small uh, branches are red. Got any idea with that? what's up there?
2: The red coloration on the branches could be just a natural discoloration. But if they've oh, dropped its foliage, then that means that one particular spot is wetter than the other spots, even though they're in a big row and everything else. Okay. So, you know, this particular one has just gotten too much moisture.
7: Okay. So is it going to be like, is this going to be fatal for the plant or if it dries out, it'll be okay or what?
2: Well, it could be fatal. I wouldn't necessarily rush out there and dig it up and throw it away. I'd say wait, you know, through the summertime. If it doesn't improve, then plan on pulling it out in the fall in September or something and then putting a new one in.
7: Okay. Hey, Mike, uh, thank you very much. Great show.
2: Sure. My pleasure. And thanks for having me on your show. And uh, Pat, Art, Lou, and George, we're not going to be able to get to you before we go to the news, but you'll be right on top of the list when we come out of the news. Mike Miller, KMRs Garden Hotline, back after these, after the news.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, it's the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving that shortly, but right now you can give a call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And congratulations, Mr. Kelly. You just showed me some pictures of your new home.
3: Yeah, we're going to be moving uh, wow. here pretty soon. Got a new house. And so we're going to uh, try to bring the birds with us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, how about all your water features and the plant material and things like that?
3: Well, we'll have to uh, start anew. Wow. Just have to, yeah. I, we, I don't know. I mean, the, the fountains that I have there, I could move if I wanted to. And right. if the people who, you know, we're going to sell our house later. And if they, you know, don't want them. Uh, okay, I'll take, you know, because they're all homemade. Uh, and the plants will just have to kind of shift to new plants. But uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be a, a new start for us. And then, the ho- you know, we're going to be right on the edge of some wood, so hopefully we'll have all the birds. You know, we'll eventually get those back. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, kind of exciting. All right. Yeah. Sounds great. Thank you. And,
2: folks, by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, and all around related to annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, houseplants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. And I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take towards success, but strictly offered for you to consider. And across the big board, there's James. He's producing today. He answers the phone as well as pushing all the buttons. And I do spend time during the week and on weekends today. After the show, I'm headed out to Wildwood, Wildwood. And that's where I do my landscape consultation. And you can go to MikeMillerDesigns.com on the homepage. And there's my email address and phone number. And you can contact me so we can set up a time. Tip of the Trial is a special recognition for an individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. It is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And to, this is a Mother's Day weekend. So a tip of the trial goes out to all the mothers. My mother was fantastic at a lot of different things. I mean, she taught. She had a dancing school. She was a corporate executive as far as, uh, you know, in an office circumstance she did many different things but the the one thing that she wasn't really able to do very well and this is not against her or anything she wasn't really able to grow plants all that well so i don't know if that's what you know kind of pushed me in that direction no it really wasn't but it's you know amazing how people can be talented in so many different ways and then you know not be able to do something that's uh, where my her mother my grandmother was fantastic growing plants, but I think maybe that had something to do with it. My mother was just resistant because her mother could do it so well. But anyway, doesn't matter all that much. So a tip of the trial goes out to all the mothers out there. And there are some fantastic ones as I go and do my walk and talks. I run into people all over the place, younger mothers, older mothers and everything else. And, uh, they're just great. So, the tip of the trial goes out to all the mothers. So, if you do have any questions or concerns 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's do a couple of calls before we take a break. Let's head over to Lou's yard. Hi, Lou.
12: Hello. Hi. Hi. Um I um have a friend who uh grows tomatoes in plot in pots mm-hmm. and um He's been having trouble. Um, he puts the tomatoes in the pots, and then they do well for about a month to a month and a half. Then brown spots appear on the leaves, and the leaves turn yellow, and the yield is greatly reduced. He's tried uh, new, plot, new pots and new soil, and even um, I guess a fungicide, but uh, this, the problem still um, occurs. And I'm just wondering what what the what uh, the solution should be could be.
1: Uh,
2: maybe. Is he watering him, And when he waters the tomatoes, is he watering him so he gets, uh, like, water on the leaves?
12: I'm, I'm not sure.
2: Okay. That would be something that would be one of my th- suggestions, to you know, to tell him to make sure that when he waters, and tomatoes need a lot of water and they need good fertilizing and everything else, that he just waters the potting mix that they're growing in.
12: Okay. So, so just...
2: So changing the pot and changing everything else, it's just maybe his style of watering. Will you say, well, I mean when it rains it gets on the leaves and stuff, but that's a, yeah. a little bit different circumstance than the watering with the let's say the unnatural water that comes out of a hose.
12: Okay. So that could be the, the problem then that he waters the the leaves.
2: Right, exactly.
12: Okay, I'll I'll pass that information on to him. I really appreciate uh the information.
2: Sure, my pleasure, and it's not guaranteed going to, you know, answer the question, but, you know, that's, you know, that kind of sounds like it to me, and even though rain can be pretty heavy and everything else, a lot of times water coming out of a hose, the size of the, you know, the water hitting the leaf, I mean, that could be, you know, physical damage to the foliage as well as, you know, the, let's say a chemical action, you know, action.
12: Oh, okay, so it could be uh the um, the chemical action plus the um, the the um, physical action of the, the, the water hitting the leaves.
2: Right, because his you know his drinking water the the pH may be pretty you know maybe higher than what the tomato foliage would prefer to have.
12: Okay, because he lives out in a suburb, I don't know where they get their water, but okay. uh, that could be it. Then, all right, I'll, as I said, I'll pass this along to him and. Maybe I can let you know All right. how, it, how it works out. Thank, thank you very much.
8: Sure, my pleasure. Now let's head over to Pat's yard. Hi, Pat. Thanks for um, doing your service. I have a problem with um, moss taking over my backyard. We have um, a line of um, pine trees that the neighbor has, and so I think that the ground could be acidic, but um, what happened is there's a lot of shade, and this moss has just basically turned into a carpet and, you know, um, taken up all of the grass. So I, I tried that moss out and you're supposed to um, allow the moss then to turn brown, and then you got to, you know, rake it and go through all of that. And I did that in March and, and got a lot of it out. But is there something else? Is this a pH problem maybe? Or? Well,
2: it is a pH problem, but, you know, it's a shade problem as well. And you can put as much of the D-moss and all those other products down, but you're not going to, you know— I mean, you don't want to mess with the soil pH in a way because, you know, lawn really likes the soil pH as acidic. So if you get it too alkaline by trying to compensate and get rid of the moss, then you're going to do more harm to your potential lawn mm-hmm. than you're doing good. But I think a lot of it has to do with the shade factor as well as the soil pH. And I think, <laughs> you, I mean, as horrible as this sounds, you're almost going to have to just live with it.
8: Oh. Well, its I mean, it's crept into the area where there's a lot of sun, too. Sure, right. So, so raking it will get it out for a while, and right. then, and then it it'll come back. back again. Yep.
2: I <laughs> sure will. Oh,
8: so just turn your, your backyard into a moss.
2: Right, exactly. The Orientals, they have moss gardens, and so just uh, embrace it. That's the best thing you can do because you're just going to spend a lot of time and a lot of energy, physical, mental, and financial, and you're not going to really change all that much.
8: Okay. Well, I appreciate your information. I don't know if I
2: like it. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. I mean, mm-hmm. there, you know, like I said, there's products that will kind of get rid of it temporarily and you can fool with the soil pH, but again, you change that pH too much, you make it too, That's why when people put lime on their, you know, their sod or their lawn, a lot of times they're doing more damage than they're doing good because lawn likes a pH of about 6.5 or so, and 7 is neutral, so it likes it slightly acidic. And when people start adding too much because they think that's what people should do, and it's not, then it causes more problems than good. So I would just kind of live with it.
8: There, that drop the needles and the, you right. know, all of that—that that, you think that is not—I guess I would need to do a soil test, I guess.
2: right? And you know, find out what the pH is and everything else. And uh, again, I would just say, you know, put on your rose-colored glasses every time you go out and look at it because. <laughs>
8: Well, it got so thick, and, you know, when you walked on it, it almost, you know, made you trip. But, (laughs) anyway, I mean, it was (laughs) amazing. Right. Okay. Well, thanks, Mike. Sure. Have a good day.
2: 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open.
9: Charlie, Captain Roger Brand here. Congratulations on your retirement. You're a great guy and a greater St. Louisan, and I've really enjoyed working with you over the years. And you beat me to the finish line. Blue skies and tailwinds, my friend.
2: (laughs) Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's head over to George's yard. Hi, George. Hey, good morning. I have uh, about a 25-year-old
5: uh, river, uh, no, I'm sorry, white birch, about 60 feet high, and I noticed last, late last summer that some of the tops lost their leaves. This spring, the lower branches have leaves, but the entire top, maybe 20 feet
2: of the top, have no leaves. There's a, is there a disease affecting uh, white birch? Uh, not necessarily. The white birch have a difficult time here. They love it in Vermont, but our weather's a little bit too screwy, so they're not even being sold all that much. But uh, there's not really too much you can do. You know, you can have a tree service come out, but uh, basically if the top has not leafed out at all, in and, and, you know, this situation that kind of says the vascular system is stopping as high up as where the leaves are present, and then above that there's the vascular system just totally collapsed. And it's age as well as variety-wise as much as anything.
5: So even if if I had someone come out and top the tree, uh, would it still survive or is it uh, doomed to uh, affect all the branches eventually?
2: Well, ultimately— Because of the age. Yeah, just the age factor and the variety factor as well. So I would say you said it was 25 years old, correct? Correct. Yeah, so that's pretty old for a white birch. They don't—like I said, they don't like it here. Our weather's just okay. too goofy, and so if you've had well, it for twenty five years, you shouldn't, you know, take a picture I of it. Enjoyed it,
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Say goodbye, frame it, and call it a day.
2: Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for your uh, your advice. Sure, and I mean, a tree service can come out, like Timberline Tree Service, and uh, take a look at it, and they'll let you know if there's could be something. Maybe pruning the top off might help to, you know, extended a few years, or maybe that, you know, could help even for a longer period. Okay. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Thank okay. you. Have a good weekend. You too. And now let's head over to Gloria's yard. Hi, Gloria. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning.
13: Okay. Number one is the guy did ask about strawberries. I have strawberries The leaves and stuff turn black. A couple strawberries came out and they black. And some, you know, I went online. They said cut all the uh, black or whatever off the leaves. Right. I'm just trying to see why did they do that.
2: Generally, it's a you know, it's a matter of sort of the soil the moisture and everything else is probably the root system got rotted because of all the rainfall. Yeah,
13: rainy mess up a lot of stuff. Right. I bought flowers in the all day, and I'm gonna see if I can take them back to Lowe's. I got the receipt.
2: <laughs>
13: they'll probably take them back. They take anything back. They don't argue with you. You huh. ain't you know, you tell them they died and they'll give you your money back. All right. You know. But in the second question is I planted a lot of bulbs in the ground, in, in pots. I know they got a lot of rainwater. Would they rotten out once the sun gets dry?
2: Uh, so did, they didn't come up at all? Didn't grow at all. It ain't any time for them come up. They
13: don't come uh, uh, up up to around June.
2: Oh well, then you should be okay.
13: They in black containers, and I just I can't think of the name of them, but they real pretty. Got the red, and they don't never come out till like June. Okay, but uh, they uh, in I got about fifteen of them in pots. You know, I buy them at the home. Sure, Same in the package, so I just want I look down there and just see. Some of them are real soft from all that rain, but I think once the sun get ninety, they get dry and might not. they might come, like
2: you know. Yeah, they may. But usually, if the bulb is already soft, then that's not a good sign.
13: I know it. But okay, can I? I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep them. To, and those hydrangeas I asked you about, you said wait. Some of those uh, stems is dark brown and stuff. You think they did?
2: Uh, more than likely if they're dark brown, but you can yeah. also just take them and get, see how flexible it is. And if they're flexible, then they still have a chance of, you know, maybe even lower down of pushing out some growth. But if they're brittle, then, you know, that stem is, you know, dead, at least up to that point.
13: And I gave my friend one of them. Like I told you, I paid 10 cents for them last fall. Gave her one, all, and hers came all up pretty. All right. I'm awake, like you say. I'll probably wait till June. There's no hurry. All right. <laughs> well, I well thanks, yawn. Gloria.
2: Thank you. Thank sure. You. Let's yeah, you head over to Kevin's happen. yard. Hi, Kevin.
0: Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you doing today? Very good. I have a uh, need your recommendation. I'm re landscaping the entranceways to my subdivision, and um, I need to get some plants that are low maintenance. Um, they're going to be in the sun a lot, probably six-plus hours a day, and I have to be careful that the plants don't grow too high or too wide to interfere with sight lines of people coming in and out of the subdivision for traffic purposes. So I um, didn't know if you had any recommendations, perhaps, for some uh, native plants uh, or some other uh, ideas.
2: Well, the native plants would certainly you know, be potentially, you know, I'm assuming since it's a uh – you know the entrance way. Uh, it's along a road that uh, you know they put deicer and stuff like. So you have to be careful. You know with the soil pH. So if you want herbaceous type things, I'd probably look at the sunflower family. Would be my choice. Okay. All
0: right. How about uh, any type of like a, a prairie grass or uh, some something similar to that?
2: Yeah, some of the yeah. There's some native grasses. You could take a look at those. I'd go to, probably to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and check that out, and see which ones that they would recommend for the, you know for that particular circumstance.
6: Oh, okay,
14: that's that's a good idea.
6: Because
2: you, I, can... I mean, some of the grasses get huge and tall, and they're going to block views, and people are going to be really angry. So you're going to yeah, have to let... stay, you know, like a, a blue lime grass color and those type things. So I would look at something along that line, or if you okay. again perennial wise, lambs ear. All the herbs, perennial-type herbs, they all can take You know the alkalinity. They can take this heat. They can take all that stuff, as well as a lot of varieties of sedums, S-E-D-U-M-S.
6: Okay. All right. Well, that's that'll be helpful.
14: I appreciate
2: it. Sure. My pleasure. Okay. Take care. Yep. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We've got phone lines open, and we'll be back after these messages.
13: KMOX
6: is Cardinals Radio. Tonight, it's the Cards and Giants. Amarin Pregame Show 520. First pitch 615. On KMOX and streaming on
5: KMOX.com.
2: Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. But if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. Let's go over to Rebecca's Yard. Hi, Rebecca.
15: Good morning. Thank you. I have a question about a jasmine tree or shrub. I have it on the north side of my house between a mulberry and a peach tree. And the mulberry and peach are doing great, but the jasmine has nothing on it at all. It doesn't have any, nothing. And so I talk to it every day, but I'm wondering, <laughs> is it not going to bloom this year or did I kill it? <laughs>
2: uh, have you? How long has it been out there planted?
15: Um it's been 5 or 6 years and really? every year it has the big white clusters of jasmine but this year there's nothing. So I didn't know if it's going to come later or if I did something wrong.
2: Yeah, my guess is it's headed downhill because the jasmine generally is not considered a hardy variety. So that particular location has worked well for several years for you but uh you know with our goofy weather and everything else that just kind of you know sends it downhill so it's, it's oh. truly a jasmine tree, huh?
15: It's about maybe eight feet tall, okay, it started out little. It started out about a foot tall and right. it's It's done really well, but now there's just nothing on it. I yeah, know,
2: no. that doesn't sound that sounds like it's headed downhill, so like oh. I said, it's not really considered a, a hardy variety for here. If you oh. do take it out and want to replace it with something, you might look at the service berry or the fringe tree.
15: Oh, okay. I'll write that down. Thank you. I was thinking about it, but I hesitated taking it out thinking I was not giving it enough chance.
2: Yeah, you might go ahead and leave it until fall because, you know, if you take it out, it's just going to be a blank spot. So let it grow let it go. Maybe it's going to reperk itself, come back from the root system or something. And then in the fall, if it hasn't, then you could take it out and that would be the time to plant a new, you know, new tree in that location. Or maybe you don't need anything because the other trees are already oversized.
15: Maybe so. You're right. Well, thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure.
2: And now let's head over to Greg's yard. Hi, Greg. Hello, Greg. Are you there?
9: Yes, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Sorry. I just want to thank you. You provide a great service. My only quick question is: um, Is it too late to trim my yews?
2: Uh, you're getting to that point again. It goes back to the you know the circumstance where you're pruning off. The tips are a little bit more acclimated to the exposure of sun and everything else. If you prune them, you may get some sunburn on the the needles that are left after the you know the tips have been cut off. So
9: so, so tell me, okay, looking toward this fall, what's the best week in the fall to trim?
2: Uh, Probably if you want to prune going into the wintertime, sometime, let's say, mid to late uh, September through October before it starts getting too cold. So sometime between, let's say, uh, mid-September and Thanksgiving, I'd get the pruning done by then. Or just leave everything alone and then prune coming out of wintertime. That's probably the best time to do it.
12: Okay, so
9: what's the the best week or month in the spring coming out of winter I should trim?
2: Uh, Probably, let's say, before the Ides of March, so before mid-March, so sometime from Valentine's Day to mid-March.
9: Okay, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
2: Sure, my pleasure. Bye. And now let's go over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom.
14: Hey, Mike. Good morning. Can you hear me pretty good? Yes. Okay, hey, listen, I got a plastic pond in my front yard it's near my porch it's probably about 12 foot from the house and it's on the north side of the house it's about six foot oval and about two and a half foot deep i'm going to get rid of it i'm going to fill it in do you think i should use super soil or regular topsoil because i'm going to turn that area into a bulb garden
2: i would probably get like a topsoil compost mix
14: okay super soil
2: right exactly And then, you know, make sure that you pile it up higher than what the level, ground level, is around it because there's going to be a lot of air pockets from bringing in new soil. And those are all, when rain and everything else is going to pop, you know, push, you know, push the soil, the new stuff that you're bringing in, pack it down. And you don't want any kind of low depression area if you're going to try to grow bulbs in it.
14: Okay, yeah, I'll tap it real good. I'll do that. And you know what? I'm going to put the weed guard over it and then decorative rock. Do you think that the bulbs will be able to push through that okay?
2: No. Are you talking about the fabric oh. lead, you know, weed yes. control? No. Yes. Bulbs can't push through that.
14: Okay, I'll make sure I cut around it then when I plant the bulbs off. Do you think I'll have any problem with bulbs uh, on the north side of a house, about 12 foot from the house with sun?
2: No, not at all.
14: Time.
2: I mean, it oh, may okay. be, they may be, you know, let's say the foliage probably will be later coming up than a, an area that would be, you know, in a more sunny location, and the flowering will be later. But uh, as long as you're getting good, hardy varieties, then you shouldn't have a problem.
14: All right, Mike, very good. Just any bulbs will do then, right? I like really like tulips. That's what I'm really yeah.
2: after. And just realize that tulips have been hybridized a lot, so you might have to replant the tulips Every two years or so, because they sort of get exhausted after a couple of years. Okay, very good. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Danny's yard. Hi, Danny.
5: Good morning, Mike. I was wondering, uh, what would be your recommendation on planting either a lilac tree or a lilac shrub? And do they need full sun, partial sun? Um, I'm new to
2: this. Okay. Lilacs really like full sun. That's where you're going to get the most growth out of them. Now, they're totally different. I mean, the tree is going to be like a tree, and it's not going to be a huge tree by any means. But the shrub is going to be one that, you know, continues to put out new growth at the base. Okay. So, I I mean, it's not going to be super aggressive, but just realize that. But full sun, and they can take an alkaline circumstance. So, in other words, near foundation, near concrete walkways, driveways, and things like that, as well as where there may be some deicer, you know, from shooting off from the you know you putting it down or the street department putting it down or something like that.
5: Okay, and that's just something that's easily obtainable at a, a local garden center. Then I take it.
2: Yeah, as far as the shrubs go or the tree. Yeah. Yeah, the trees may idea. be a little bit harder to t- you know find, but the lilac shrubs should be I mean probably at every garden center.
6: Okay, I'll go I'll go hunt one down today. I appreciate <laughs> your help once again, sir.
2: <laughs> Great, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Barber's yard. Hi Barb.
16: Hi Mike, need a couple quick answers. Uh it's time to trim the persicidia back?
2: Yes, as soon as uh you know, within a couple months after they finish flowering, you should prune them, uh, you know, as soon as you possibly okay. can.
16: Okay. Uh, we'll round up. Uh, when can I get it to work? I've got a lot of weeds coming up around trees and things.
2: Well, I mean, it's, the temperature is good enough. As long as it doesn't rain within 24 hours after you put it down, it should be pretty effective. I've right. used it so we, several times, you know, on cracks in the sidewalk or the, the yeah. and so I've did, killed stuff off.
16: So at fifty degrees, like now, it'll uh, work. Uh,
2: you know, it's going to get warmer in another day or two, so yeah, it should yeah. be fine.
16: Okay. Uh, it, can we move the plants outside? It's going to get down to about fifties at night uh, for a couple of days. Can we move a lot of stuff outside?
2: Yeah, just don't put it directly in the sun because it's going to sunburn. If once you bring in from house plants from inside to out. Even if they're sun-tolerant types, they're going to sunburn when you first bring them out. So just be real careful.
16: But the 50 degrees at night won't uh, be too hard on them?
2: No, that's not a problem.
16: Uh, Okay. And can I plant uh,
2: angel wing begonias? Oh, sure. Yeah. Now? Yeah, I've already put in a couple.
16: Oh, okay. I've got them bought, but I was afraid it was too cold, and now I'm going to have to shovel the dirt around there in big pots uh, to get it to dry out some. It, it's so wet. Won't that hurt it?
2: Uh, yeah, they don't like a real wet soil, that's for sure.
16: Okay, you've answered everything. All right, Thanks. great.
2: Thanks. Mike Miller, Wash Garden Hotline, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
2: Yes, folks, back to the phones. Let's head over to Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Hello, Mark. Are you there? Yeah,
0: I'm here. Okay. Uh, I got some fruit trees up at my property, and I was wanting to know if you put anything on on the fruit tree.
2: As far as this time of year, I mean, just as a preventative type thing?
0: Yeah, that's what I'd like. Yeah, we got peaches and apples, and uh, is there something we put on there in the springtime?
2: Not necessarily. I mean, when they're still dormant, you can put a, a horticultural oil you know, a dormant oil spray to help any kind of insects that might be on the stems. But other than that, you don't really have to do anything else.
0: Okay. When when do you do it uh,
2: then? During the dormancy. So sometime, uh, let's say, after Thanksgiving and before any kind of new growth begins. So sometime after Thanksgiving, before mid, let's say, Valentine's Day or, you know, mid-March, before any kind of bud break happens whatsoever. All right. And this will be
0: on the uh, podcast. I can go back to it because I'm in my car. Yeah. I can go back to it and listen to it.
2: Yeah, it's it's a dormant oil spray.
0: A dormant oil spray.
2: Right. So, But it'll be on the podcast.
0: Okay. Let me ask you this then. Uh, if I don't get it on there this year and the fruit starts coming, do I put anything on it? to keep
2: them off after that no just you not going to be able to do anything once the fruits start but one thing okay. if you start to see some branches and everything and they got an abundance of fruit on them knock about half the fruit off because sometimes a lot of damage to fruit trees occurs when people just leave all the fruit there because they say whoa look at all the fruit then the weight <laughs> of the fruit causes a crack in the limb and then that causes real problems so just oh, reduce right. the amount of fruit on their branches.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh, one more question. I'm sorry to take up your time. Uh, is there anything you could put on them to keep the deer from eating them? <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> we you, what deer you deer might actually. you might try uh, hanging bars of Irish Spring soap and see if that helps.
0: <laughs> we do that
10: in the house. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But, I mean, the smell of the Irish Spring Soap kind of is a repellent. The the other repellents you're going to have to reapply a lot. So the Irish Spring Soap bars hang there, and they'll stay for a long time, even after lots of rain.
0: Oh, man, thank you so much. I appreciate this show, and I appreciate you, man.
2: (laughs) Well, thanks. (laughs) And let's head now over to Mary's Yard. Hi, Mary. Hello, Mary.
11: Hi, I'm getting rose bushes that have holes in the leaves. What can I do for that?
2: Uh, basically, the best thing you can do is you got holes in the leaves right now. Yes. You probably should have gone after it a little bit sooner. But just look on the underside of the leaf. If the leaves, you know, and are the, the holes just actual holes or are they actually oh, like... I br- I've, got,
13: I've got little green, little green, wormy things.
2: Yeah, definitely go out there and use like an insecticidal soap and spray it right on the insects, right on the worms. Okay, thank you. Yeah, because you got to, you know, you got to kill them that way. Oh boy, thank you. Yep, unfortunately. And now let's see, where should we go? Let's, Joan's yard. Hi, Joan.
4: Hi, Mike. Um, I was wondering, is it too late to power rake a yard with fescue?
2: uh you're really what could happen is if you power rake this late, especially with the forecast with the temperatures, you're going to be exposing the crowns of the plant of the lawn and then the heat and everything else could do some damage. So I would be a little bit cautious about doing it.
4: So maybe just use a regular old rake and do it.
2: Right, just as rake it with rake. A, like a regular leaf rake get the you know get as much debris as you can out. And then in the fall do some power raking at that time or next spring before in you know before the weather gets intense. So sometime in the earth, let's say in February, March, you know, do the power raking at that time. Or, or you know, weather dependent even in you know up to mid April.
11: All righty. Thank you
2: so much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head Bye. from Jones to, over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hi, how you doing? Hi. I got a
6: couple maybe three questions here. <clears throat> First question is you got my garden all ready to go. I'm getting ready to plant it.
2: Uh-huh.
6: I've killed it all up and it's uh you know, it rained on it and everything and it's all flat right now. I was wondering can I put down that uh that stuff that's supposed to keep the weeds out that mat, roll out like five pieces of that and pin it down and then it says cut cut X's in it and put your plants in there.
2: Yeah, I mean, all that do that will prevent any kind of weeds that are coming up from underneath. It won't prevent any kind of weeds where the weed seeds are blowing in and because it can land and then root down through the weed you know, weed barrier. So, just weeds from the bottom that are in the ground, the seeds that are there, it'll stop those, but it doesn't prevent other weeds from coming in that are blowing in or coming in on the bottom of your shoes or something like that.
6: What about? I mean, will water go through that? I mean, can I water my plants then and everything? Yeah, it
2: should. I mean, if you're go if you're getting real landscape fabric, don't get that black plastic stuff.
6: No, it's 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 the landscape fabric. Okay, I just,
2: yeah, water penetrates. Okay, so I mean, you could uh,
6: just you know when you lay your hose out there, it's going to go right through there, right? Right, exactly. Also, I uh, when the tomatoes start coming. I've heard that, you know, anything that don't have a yellow flower on, am I supposed to trim that
2: back? the Yeah, tomatoes, I'd leave them alone. I mean, the flower is definitely where the fruit is going to be, the tomato. But if you're not getting any kind of, you know, flowering on your tomato, then that, you know, that's a little bit scary.
6: Well, I, I was just told that, you know, once the flowers start coming and everything, that Anything that didn't have a flower on, you could go in and trim off. Now, I you know? would say
2: leave it alone because you're cutting off leaves. You want to leave as many, as much foliage as possible because that makes the overall plant healthy.
6: And when I plant,
2: I'm going to plant them today. You take off the bottom too, right? Them suckers? No, you can. Mm-hmm. I would say just leave it all alone. You can always take that stuff off later.
6: And what if there's uh, two tomato plants in, in one one thing, you know?
2: Oh. I'd watch out about that. So just uh, that doesn't you know, that Separate doesn't sound really just good. go ahead and plant, plant them both. Yeah, go ahead. Sure.
6: All right. Can I ask one more question? Well, we
2: got about 10 seconds.
6: Okay. I planted grass, and it's really coming up really nice right. in this one area. And I got uh, straw on there, and I haven't cut it yet. Well, get Am the I straw off there, that? Steve.
2: We got to go. Mike Miller, K M R S Garden Hotline, back next week.